Welcome to the Kingdom Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Jamie Dixon. For more great content, visit klcmaine.com. All right, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. In everything, everyone say everything. In everything, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. We, we've, uh, many of us are very familiar with the in everything, give thanks. But I think we're very unfamiliar with, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What a profound statement. The very fact that giving thanks is, is pulled together in this moment as this is the will of God for you, that in everything that you would give thanks. For us to understand why this is the will of God for us, we have to understand that word, give thanks. That word is the word um, eucharisto, which is where uh, the word that the Catholic Church gets, eucharist. Or the Eucharist is a service or a moment where, where um, believers would celebrate the Last Supper and they would remember the body and blood of Jesus Christ. They would take communion. It is the same word that's used, give thanks, Eucharisto, is the same word used at the Last Supper when Jesus took the bread and broke it and he gave thanks. And he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. Every time you eat it, do it in remembrance of me and shared it. He took the cup after supper and he gave thanks. When he gave thanks, it was Eucharisto. He gave thanks and he poured the cup. He says, this is my blood of the new covenant. Every time you drink of it, you do it in remembrance of me. In, second, in 1 Corinthians, it actually says that every time that we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we, we, uh, we declare and proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus said, unless you eat my flesh and you drink my blood, that you can have no part with me. But for those who eat my flesh and drink my blood, I am in them and they are in me, right? We understand that in this moment where Jesus is giving thanks and breaking the bread, when he says in, the, in, he says in every situation, in every moment, how many of you guys know that that's not just a response to breakthrough? That's not just a response to a solid week. It's not just a response to answered prayer. He said in everything, everyone say everything. everything. Eucharisto, give thanks. For this is the will of God concerning your life. I need you to understand the very fact that we are using this word and we are pointing directly to the moment where Jesus broke his bread and he gave his body to his disciples. We got to understand the, like, the entanglement of layers that are, are, are all in this moment of understanding. That Jesus, when he gave thanks and he broke the bread and he gave it, what he was saying in that moment is, because here's what we have to understand, that word, Eucharistal, this is what it means. It means God's grace works well for me. The word give thanks, it means God's grace works well for me. It was not, it doesn't mean God did good things. It means that God's grace prevails. God's grace has works. God's grace is enough for my life. Right, And so in the moment where Jesus takes the body and he breaks it, he, pour, he takes his blood and he pours it in the cup and he breaks it and he gives thanks. What he's saying is, is I am going to accomplish all that you need for life and godliness. I'm about to release grace. When he takes the body and he breaks it, he says, I know that you're broken, but my grace will make you whole. When he takes the blood, he goes, I know that you are poor, wretched and blind, but my blood will make you clean and holy as I am holy. 
He, what he says is, he goes, it will not be based on your accomplishments. It will not be based on what you perform or how you do it. But I'm going to pour out my blood and your righteousness will be imputed through my accomplishments and not yours. He says, I'm going to take all the shame of the former covenant where you were separated and distant. And I am going to make myself real, tangible, relevant, and I'm going to abide inside of your being. In that moment where he says, God's grace works well, give thanks, and he breaks his body. He goes, this is the will of God concerning you, is that in all the days of your life, that you would fully access everything the cross made available to you. You should be more excited about that. He says that in this moment, he's like, give thanks because I've made it all available. All healing is available in me. All righteousness is available in me. All joy is available in me. All peace is available in me. All victory, all breakthrough, all provision, all healing, everything is available in me. Give thanks. God's grace has accomplished it all. And he goes, this is the will of God concerning you is that you would recognize, understand, and come into alignment with the reality that I've accomplished it all and everything is in me. This is God's will concerning your life. How many of you guys know that Thanksgiving is not a response? Thanksgiving is not a response. Thanksgiving is a confession. Thanksgiving is coming into awareness in God's consciousness. It precedes experience. We're very used to, I give you a gift and I say thank you. But he invites us to give thanks in all things Why? Not because God has performed something, but because he is who he says that he is. And if he is who he says that he is, then I can abide in this moment in my understanding and knowledge and consciousness of who he is. You know, I I, I knew that I I needed to teach on this um, this week. Not because it was Thanksgiving, believe it or not. You're like, oh, what a good time sermon, Jamie. We, all ex- we didn't expect this, right? <laughs> Believe it or not, it was not because of Thanksgiving that I felt led to teach on this. It was because of my kids. Let me talk about my kids for a second. Um, my kids have feelings. Does anybody's kids have feelings? Big feelings. Some of you remember the big feelings your kids have, Right? And now my kids' feelings can be deeply connected to they're hungry. And I am hungry, therefore the world is collapsing, right? Um, It can be deeply connected to um, I'm tired. Um, I didn't get what I wanted. Um, And all of a sudden, how many of you know that when your kids have all of these feelings, they are still learning how to connect what I feel to what's going on? right? And so in the attempt to figure out what's going on with all of my feelings, they begin to reach for anything that's causing them to feel so wretched. It's hunger. You didn't eat, like you you skipped lunch because you were too busy watching the TV and you know what I mean, right? And and you want to teach your kids that, but they, instead, you'll be in the car. They're not happy. They have feelings. And then out of the backseat of the car comes, hey, Two weeks ago, this kid told me that my lunchbox was stupid and it really hurt my feelings. I'm feeling really sad about it. 
Now, mind you, we are on our way to a big family gathering. We are on our way to an amazing experience. We are on our way to a parade. We're on our way to, you know, lighting the tree. We're on our way to see sin. We're on our way to all these amazing things. Isn't this exciting? No. (laughs) Two weeks ago, somebody looked at me the wrong way. Hey, did you know that my sibling regularly calls me stupid when you're not looking? It has wounded me deeply, right? And now all of a sudden, and then the other child speaks up, oh yeah, a couple weeks ago, I had a kid. Before you know it, you're 10 minutes in and there is irreconcilable crying and screaming in the back seat over this like moment of trauma that they're processing. And how many of you guys know the way that they feel right now has nothing to do with what happened two weeks ago? You're hungry. That's all that this is. Here's a lollipop, right? Can you help me? I think I'm gonna explode everybody's eardrums with this. Um, how many of you guys know that like, in, in, when we're trying to learn our feelings, uh, what can begin to happen is, is um, we start connecting the wrong information to how we feel. And when we start doing that, our confessions start lining up to a feeling instead of the reality is, is that my confession is, is I'm upset about what's behind me, but the reality is, is I'm on my way to something amazing. And because when the confession lines up to my previous experience, it doesn't line up to awareness of what's coming or what's available to me right now. I get to dictate the reality of the experience that I'm having in this moment. Does that make sense? Okay, I say all that to say is that Thanksgiving is not a response to something that's taken place, but a confession to who God consistently is in my life. Now, I want to give you two, in the next 15 minutes, I'm going to give you two just powerful truths around Thanksgiving as a, as a, a practice in the life of a believer. You ready? Number one is this, thanksgiving is the practice of spiritual people. Go with me to Psalm, uh, Psalm 100. Psalm 100. Thanksgiving is the practice of spiritual people. Psalm 100, verse 3. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. For we are His people in the sheep of his pasture. So enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good and his mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endures to all generations. This last line is not first written in Psalms 100. This was actually a common chorus sung by the Jews through much of their history. Now, um, you guys remember the story of Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat and all of Judah is in this moment where, where they are surrounded by Ammon and Moab and they are outnumbered and they can't win the battle that they can see with their eyes. And so Jehoshaphat looks at the crowds of of enemies surrounding them. And he, and he looks to the Lord and goes, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you, right? And he gets some trumpeters and worshipers and he sends them into the middle of the battlefield. 
And they stand there and they say, you are good and your love endures forever. And a spiritual chaos comes on the enemy's camp. They fight each other and Israel is left there in the field singing to the Lord, watching their enemies fight each other, right? Now, mind you, this is not the first time that that chorus was sung either. The first time that Israel ever heard the song, you are good and your love endures forever, was actually out of the flame of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the furnace and the fourth man appears in the fire, right? They're thrown into the furnace. Um, one of them, whose Jewish name was Azariah, he, he's in, he gets thrown into the furnace and he begins to sing a song. And the song goes like this. It's, no, it's not in, in, in the scriptures. It's actually in the Torah. This is known among Jewish scholars as a very common thing and it's repeated all throughout scripture. Azariah begins to sing a song and he begins to sing this song that goes like, you are the one who causes the sun to rise and start each day without fail. You are the one that causes the seas to come and to go and to return to its place again without fail. You are the creator of everything inside us. We only have breath because of you. And all of these confessions of the greatness of the Lord. And at the very end, it goes, for you alone are God. You are good and your love endures forever. That song is being sung, not in response to their deliverance, but as they're standing in the middle of the fire. And as they sing this song, boom, appears a fourth man in the fire and they're not burned. That song was not a song of victory after battles. It was a song that the Israels sung, the Israelites sang whenever they were facing an impossible situation. When they're standing surrounded, you are good and your love endures forever. So understand this. When he says, he said he, uh, in Psalm 100, where he goes, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. And he starts off with the acknowledgement, for you are the creator and we're sheep in your pasture. Enter his courts with thanksgiving, his gates with praise, for your love endures forever and your, your mercy is everlasting, your truth endures. How many of you guys know that thanksgiving is not circumstantial? Thanksgiving is awareness of the consistent nature of God. It is a confession that we make when we're feeling other things about the, the possibility, the potential, and who God is in the midst of every circumstance. It's making sense. I, I, I believe that one of the greatest measurements of spiritual maturity is God consciousness. What does that mean? Um, I would say, now there's a lot of people in this room with a lot of life experience and I don't want to be rude. But in the kingdom, what makes you wise is not what you've experienced, but your knowledge of God. Guys, can, can I say that one more time? We can have a thousand stories, but stories will never give wisdom unless we've extracted who God is in the story. I don't get to give away my experience. I get to give away the knowledge of God. We can be trained throughout years to find God in all seasons, but spiritual maturity will be defined by our God consciousness. When you have a spiritual mother or father, maybe your natural mother, mother and father, and you go to them and you're in this impossible situation and you don't know what to do, what a spiritual mother and father is supposed to do is not to go like, well, been there, done that. Here's what I did. Spiritual mother and father says, this is who God in the midst of it. This is where God is. This is what God is doing. God consciousness is spiritual maturity. The ability to see, experience, feel, know, and follow God through all things. This is spiritual maturity. 
I want to present to you is that uh, thanksgiving is the practice of spiritual people that lead to spiritual maturity. Because what it does is it calls your soul into recognition. It's a confession of your mouth to cause your soul to come into the reality of who God is in all seasons and circumstances. Spiritual uh, thanksgiving is a discipline of calling my mind into alignment with God's, uh, with God's goodness. I'll, 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 I'll double down on it by showing you what happens even when we stop giving thanks to the Lord or coming into recognition. Are you guys all right? Yeah. I feel like the tryptophan still is, is lingering. It's just still in people's in veins. Um, it's all right. There's mercy for that. Um, Romans chapter 1 verse 20 is one of the most profound scriptures about the process of sinful corruption. And it actually lays out how sin corrupts the being of man. And have, have you guys ever seen like the process of like somebody lo loves the Lord. They go through a, pla a place of brokenness and pain. And that place of brokenness and pain, they start actually attaching confessions of negativity to it. And then all of a sudden they're attaching con confessions of negativity. They separate their life from the people that cause them to come closer to Jesus. And in their separation, they become vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy that wants to instill or arouse sinful parts of their life. And that process then begins to lead not only to corruption of mind and thought, but also begins to go into addiction and strongholds get established in their life. And before you know it, they are so far from the Lord that they can't even remember the days that they were near him. Has anybody ever seen that play out? And, and Romans chapter one actually teaches us how this whole thing happens. And in Romans chapter one, verse 20, it says, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they, this is speaking concerning mankind, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful but they became futile in their thoughts. Their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And then it goes on and they begin to exchange what was natural for what was unnatural. And it goes on this whole progression of sinful behavior and how it's led to the most corrupt environment that we've seen, right? And so what he's saying here is he's saying that God's visible, God's here, he's been faithful, he's been showing up, but in the midst of it, a people did not give thanks. They did not confess that he was God. They did not confess that, um, that when, he's, when we say confess that he is God, we were talking about Lord of my life, creator of my being, the shepherd and I am a sheep in your field. You are God and I am not. I give thanks because you are the provider of my life. You give breath in my lungs. You are the provision of all that I am. And I acknowledge you as God and the savior of my soul. In the thanksgiving of acknowledging the goodness of God, when they, were, when they lacked it, their minds became futile and they grew distant from the nearness of God. Is this making sense? So what we have to understand is that thanksgiving is the practice of a spiritual people to come into alignment and remain God conscious at all times and to grow into his likeness. Here's, here's the other thing about, um, about thankful, uh, thanksgiving is that thanksgiving will cause us to host the God of peace in our life. In Philippians chapter four, verse four, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men for the Lord is near. 
Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I love that he presents thanksgiving in the same sentence as encouraging pleading. How many of us know that if you're pleading with God for something, let your request be made known uh, before the Lord. How many of us know that that means that there's an area of lack that you're contending and believing God to answer? And he goes, present your pleading before the Lord with thanksgiving and the God of peace will rest upon you. First of all, we have to understand is that once again, thanksgiving is not a response to a breakthrough. It's a recognition and a confession of who God is in the midst of our pleading with the Lord. In the midst of your lack, can you confess that he's a provider? I think oftentimes we've gone to the Lord and we thought that scripture literally means, hey God, I need a new car. I need a four-wheel drive, 2016 or, or newer, uh, four-door vehicle um, with 50,000 miles and I need all these different things. Thanks God, you're gonna give me the exact car that I need. We've often thought Thanksgiving is like thanking God for the breakthrough before the breakthrough comes. And I want to say that's actually not what it means whatsoever. What it actually means is not thanking God for what he's going to provide, but thanking him for who he is. And I know that's only a little bit different, but it's important to understand is that our thanks is not for the moments that he gives to us, but our thanks is for who he is in relation to us. That we have the ability to access, access a God that's a, a, a good father who owns the cattle on a thousand hills and has good pleasure to provide for his children. My confession is not, you're gonna give me what I want. My confession is that you're a good God. Does this make sense? I'm not pleading with you because you're withholding. I'm making my request known because you're good and you're faithful to me all the days of my life. When he says this and he goes, and the God of peace, uh, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That word is shalom, which does not mean the absence of conflict. What it means is wholeness. It means to take all the broken pieces in our life and make them whole. It, 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 there's a whole list when you start studying out that word. It means a state of national tranquility, uh, tranquility, exemption from rage and havoc of war. It means peace between individuals. But I think oftentimes that we've called peace between individuals is we've stopped talking so the conflict's gone. They stopped like, sending me like, text messages cussing me out. There's peace. There's silence. But I want to present to you that peace does not mean silent. It means to sing in harmony together. It doesn't mean that we've stopped talking, so finally there's peace in my life. It actually means that we're not, we're not making an ugly noise with our communication, but we're singing each other's song that makes you sound better than you did before. Like I'm undergirding you with harmony to make you sound beautiful. Does that make sense? Peace doesn't mean the lack of conflict. It means the excess of the presence of God. It means security, safety, prosperity, felicity, that all your belongings will be guarded from hostile attacks. It means that not only is God re-giving you back what you've lost, but he's actually hovering over your life to make sure that no assignment of the enemy can come against your home. It means the Messiah's peace, which leads to salvation. 
It means that like the shalom peace of God is that I am praying that every thought, every emotion, every place of brokenness inside of your life that's running six ways sideways, that is causing so much disruption, anxiety, lying to you and stealing your joy would would come under the salvation of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that it would fully be restored into the Messiah's plan for your life, which is wholeness and healing and victory and breakthrough, that God would arrest everything inside of you that is not aligned to truth and bring it to truth. This is what shalom means, that God would take that which is fractured and what which is broken, and he would make it whole. And he, go, he says this, in the midst of all your pleading, acknowledge the Lord and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will rest upon you. Peace is not about feeling okay or calm or avoid a conflict. Peace is, is when what is broken becomes whole. It's breakthrough, solution, victory, it's resolution in everything at all seasons, at all time, we acknowledge the sufficiency of God's grace for us and the victorious breakthrough power of Christ that makes everything broken whole, that transcends human understanding, will be present in the moment. When we lose thanksgiving, we become absent of grace, but present in conflict. I'm gonna say that one more time. When we stop giving thanks, we will become absent from grace, but present in conflict. We don't need to be uh, conflict conscious. We need to be God conscious. Thanksgiving is the spiritual practice of pulling every emotion and thought in me into alignment to truth so that I can stand. Can Can I give you just one more? Okay. When Jesus has made everything in God available, that through the accomplishments of Christ, the law was changed and the law gave access for the Holy Spirit to take residence in you, which is God in you. Jesus was God on earth. Holy Spirit is God in you. The three in one is a system of administration to place the spirit of God inside of you for eternal fellowship and communion with God. Starting now into eternity, that you would never fall out of communion with God because of the accomplishments of Christ and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, right? Now, Jesus has made all healing, all victory, all peace, all joy, uh, all wisdom, um, all purpose, all righteousness has been made available through the accomplishments of Christ. But you go, but Jamie, I'm not seeing it all. It actually says in the scriptures, um, everything's under his feet, but we don't see everything under his feet, but we see Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So we understand that God has begun a process and the process of salvation is now working the truth into you. It says that um, Jesus has accomplished everything, but everything is accessed through faith. The problem is, is that faith is a response to what we believe, which means that the majority of our salvation is bringing everything that we believe, everything that we've experienced. I love your parents, but your parents taught you American ways of thinking, earthly ways of thinking. School taught you earthly ways of thinking. And there is a, there is a spiritual way of thinking that far supersedes the ways of the world. And so our salvation is about exchanging our human experience and what we've been taught in this life and actually adopting a greater reality. The mind of Christ would be pressed upon you and you would think like God. And it says that faith is the substance of things that we hope for, the evidence of things that we do not see, which means that as God does a work inside of us, then it actually undergirds faith for faith to reach into what God has made accessible and then pull it in, evidence of things that we've not seen and pull it into the reality. Have I lost you all? 
Okay, so when we give thanks, we are arresting every thought and saying that I know that I'm looking at a wall, but I serve a wall breaker. Thanks for breaking walls. I'm standing before giants, but you love to slay giants. Thank you for being a giant slayer. I have no money. God, thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider. To do what you've called me to do, I'm going to need to be a lot more courageous. Thank, that, thank you that you are a courageous God of boldness. I have pain and feeling that I don't know what to do with. Thank you that you created the inner parts of my beings and only you can rewire and make me whole. I have pain that I don't know what to do with. I thank you that you are a healer. When I ask for bread, you don't give me a stone. It says that you give, uh, that um, healing is a children's bread. Thank you for who you are. As we do this, your soul is coming into alignment with truth. As you come into alignment with truth, you can reach into that understanding and access it and bring it into the reality. Thanksgiving becomes the doorway to communion. It's the doorway to communion. He breaks it and he gives thanks and he serves it. If you want to eat what he has been broken for, Thanksgiving causes you to enter the courts. It's the doorway and the threshold to where he dwells. It's the doorway into eating with God. It's the way in to experiencing what he's promised. He promised his body. Thanksgiving was the doorway in. And he goes, every time that you take the Eucharist, every time that you take the body and the blood of Jesus, every time that you take this meal, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You've become the champions of a reality that's eternal. You've become proclaimers of what I've accomplished. Give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. Isn't that good? And I want to say this. It's not a response. It's a discipline and a spiritual practice to give thanks. If you're waiting to give thanks for when God shows up and think that that's, what he's, that's the will of God for your life, just make sure. I'm going to do this, but make sure to say thank you. I mean, so that's not the spiritual practice that he's encouraging us in. He's saying, come into alignment, come into awareness. I am the God who I say that I am. Give thanks. Is it all right? Should I stand with me?